0: Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 371. As I'm recording this introduction, I'm getting ready to leave to go to Alaska to hunt mountain goats. And as this episode is released, it's going to be released automatically while I'm gone on that trip. And I'm super excited about the hunt and was really excited to get to connect with today's guest, Shane. Shane lives in Washington state, uh, and you also hear about in his background, grew up being fascinated by mountain goats, um, loved being in mountain goat country, photographing mountain goats, etc., but didn't have a chance to hunt them, which was a dream of his, until this past fall when he got a mountain goat tag for his home state of Washington. In today's episode, we tell that story, we get to know Shane and his background and hear about what turned out to be an incredibly wild hunt for his first mountain goat. Next week, we have another conversation with Shane, because as you will hear about, and I was surprised to learn in this part one conversation, Shane had a second mountain goat uh, hunt for this fall, like fall of 2022 just happened a few weeks ago. And so... This again is part one. We're talking about Shane, his background, a mountain goat hunt he had last fall in 2021. And then next week we'll have another episode coming with Shane that we recorded more recently about his very recent mountain goat hunt in Alaska. If you have any interest in mountain goats, or maybe you don't because you don't understand them, what the appeal is, what makes them unique, what makes those hunts so challenging these are great episodes to tune into to learn about mountain goat hunting, mountain hunting in general, uh, and much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Definitely some practical knowledge in here as well as just some great adventurous hunting stories. So again, part one this week, part is coming. Let's go ahead and dive into the conversation. Well, Shane, welcome to the Hunt Back podcast. I'm excited to chat, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: This was a unique uh episode the way this came about, because one, I don't know you at all. And two, I reached <laughs> out kind of blindly uh just yesterday and it happened to work out with the schedules to align to just like record the next day. So
1: yeah, I think we're perfectly. both
0: getting to know each other on this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh but for context for listeners as well as myself, just like a quick intro and background. And then after that, I can talk about why I reached out to you.
1: No worries. Yeah. I'm, my name is Shane Vandergeesen uh, from Linden, Washington. So basically far Northwest corner of Washington state. I live like half a mile from the Canadian border. Um, okay. Grew up hunting my whole life. Uh, mountain hunting is my passion. So, you know, if, I love hunting, but specifically, I just love being in the mountains. Uh, so every day I can be in the mountains. Good. And uh, as, as a kid growing up, mountain goats were always my favorite animal and I just love them. And so yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that, Hey, I, I know you like mountain goats. That's why I called you. So, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I do i love mountain goats and i got my first goat tag last year uh in washington state and was able to harvest a great winter billy which was awesome so um it was Mm -hmm. a like dream dream hunt 25 years in the making and finally had it so it was pretty fun that's awesome man
0: yeah so i i came across your instagram and i don't i'm not even i don't do too much on instagram but I'll occasionally get on there and uh i am going on a mountain goat hunt this fall similar to you have been fascinated by by them for a long time very dissimilar from you i don't live in mountain goat country so (laughs) my affinity for them has been very remote and i know that you've spent a lot of time uh even before you had a tag like observing goats doing photography all kinds of stuff so we can talk about that but yeah yeah, essentially i found your profile on instagram i was like gosh he's got some great photography and then i've seen like glimpses of your hunt because you've posted Mm -hmm. some like stories and quick videos but i don't know like the context or really how the story went down, so I'm anxious to hear about that and kind of talk about uh, goats in general. So I, you, so I saw your profile. I'm like, who is this guy? Because it's like Mountain Goat Media, and then found your name, and of course Google stalked a little bit, and then you were on Emery's podcast, the Byland mm-hmm. podcast, and I know Emery well, and so I listened just a little bit of that uh, yesterday. Um, so I think maybe have a little bit of context, but. Uh yeah it'll be fun to chat about you and the hunt and all that but you said mountain goats from an early age i caught a little bit of that in memories podcast that had to do with your dad right
1: yeah yeah my dad um he he drew, I think four or five washing goat tags over the course of his life, just, you know, back when it was a lot easier to draw them. Yeah. <laughs> and I always heard stories just about mountain goat hunting. And there was one in particular where he was like, he swears it was the world record archery goat and he just missed it. He shot at it with his bow and hit a rock right in front of it. And the, the arrow ricocheted and missed it. And so when I was a kid, the whole, that unit that he'd hunted, he he always told about, oh, I'd see 50, 60 goats every time I go out there and they shut it down randomly. Um, and so so when I was, I think eight, maybe seven, my dad took me on my first backpacking trip. He's like, "Let's go into the unit. Let's see if we can find goats and see if that really is uh, the population's in demise." And of course, we went out and uh, one night out there, we found 132 mountain goats, and wow. uh, there were big signs at the trailhead: "Please report goat sightings." So we go to the Forest Service, and they were, and we were like, "Hey, we, we saw mountain goats." Well, how many did you see? And I was like, "I saw, you know, seven-year-old me, right?" So 132 of them, and the and the guy like gets down on one knee and he looks at me and he's like, "You know." I've been working here a long time and I've never seen more than 20 goats in a day up in that country. And I said, well, you obviously don't know where to go, do you? (laughs) And it just, it just kind of stuck with me. Like for some reason, even though it's the popular trail, even though we saw tons of hikers, you know, you get off the trail a mile and a half and all of a sudden you get into all these goats that you can't see from the trail. And it it just, they just fascinated me. We also saw Wolverine that trip, uh, stalking two uh, twin kid goats, which is really cool. And like super rare. Um, And so just the whole adventure just stuck with me. And it was like, this is what I want. I want to be in mountain goat country. I want to see mountain goats and I want to hunt a mountain goat. And it was like from age seven, that was my goal. (laughs) So I just always loved them. And so growing up, you know, after I got out of, you know, when I was in college and stuff, I got into photography and mountain hunting and it was basically where I would hunt was where you could see goats. Uh, and then I couldn't hunt the goats, right. I could hunt bear Mm -hmm. and deer, but that's how I searched out places to hunt. Where are their goats? And so now that whole Mount Baker herd, which is one of the, I I, I think it's the biggest herd in the lower 48 of goats. There's like 480 in that herd. Um, I know that that unit, you know, every nook and cranny in the whole unit and where the goats hang out and all that kind of stuff. So it's just always been a spot I'd love to be and love to hang out. So.
0: That's cool. It's neat that even though, the hunting opportunity was decades in the making for you and isn't something you get to do regularly that you can still be in that country and not only be in the country to, for photography, backpacking, general outdoor pursuit, but also hunt other species, but still kind of put yourself in those positions.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you, with a camera, you get to stock up on a goat, just like you would with a bow or, or a gun. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. pretty, pretty uh, used to stocking up on goats and uh, getting close to them. So
0: <laughs> yeah. So that is, um, obviously Washington, there's a lot of general outdoor recreation Mm -hmm. and I've not hunted Washington, but I have some good friends that hunt up there for uh, bear and deer and other things. And it's not uncommon to have, you know, to be hunting in areas right where there's hikers, backpackers, right? Like bear season, you have a rifle and there's people passing you, you know, on a trail or whatever. How, how is that with goats? Are they pretty used to encountering humans or like you said sometimes it's nah you get off the trail you go over the ridge and get away from them and that's really where they hang out
1: yeah so I mean you kind of nailed it like the, a lot of the areas that I've goats, it's not all but a lot are some of the most popular hiking trails in the area you know so where I when I was hunting last year uh there was one spot in particular I spent a lot of time where I would see every time I'd hike in and out anywhere from f- 500 to 600 hikers every time like that's we're talking like national park level like just insane um but then you get to the end of the trail and you hike over the next ridge and then you see maybe one person the rest of the time uh and it's that one person that went and camped at the end of the trail and they're like we're exploring half a mile from their camp right like whoa Mm -hmm. you can come back here (laughs) you know so um yes the goats will there are some goats and it tends to be the nannies with the kids that'll hang out near the trail but even they don't spend a ton of time near the trail and they get pretty used to people but those billies they all just kind of drop over they'll drop a thousand feet and mile away um and they're right in the same vicinity but you know oftentimes but they're in the nasty stuff and won't get that close to the people so it's not like they're tame goats like in a park um Mm -hmm. but yeah there's definitely a lot of people there but you can avoid the people too and that's really the key you know that took me a while to figure that out but if you want to get into the bigger animals you just go to where the people aren't you know and that doesn't necessarily mean 10 miles away it means over a ridge you know a thousand feet down so yeah
0: had you before your hunt obviously you're hunting goat country bear deer etc you're out there photographing had you been on any goat hunts you know helping people who drew tags or anything in washington
1: I directed people a lot of times I'd been with hunters five or six times, but never actually been along on a successful harvest. Right. It was always, you know, we would get into goats and then it wasn't the right one or, you know, whatever. And then my problem is I, you know, I'm so selfish with my time. It's like, there's only so many days I'm going to be out there I'm not hunting for myself, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'll get one day, maybe two out with them. But if you don't get a goat in that first day or two, you know, let me know if you need help packing kind of, and they just, you know, no one ever actually took me up on that offer. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was the first successful harvest that I'd ever been along was the goat that I got last year,
0: which is, makes it more special, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's
0: unique that you've been fascinated by goats for so long. You've been in their country so much, but truly the first time there's been harvest, it's your harvest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. So it would, um, tell me about the process. So I know, I believe as a resident point-based, but then there's like a cap to that or what, what is the process? for? So Washington, Washington.
1: yeah, Washington's point-based. So uh, it's, you can apply for a point for every species you're And then however many points you have, your name is squared in the hat. So if you have 20 points, that means your name's in the hat 400 times. Um, In theory, that makes, you know, I have max points on goat, right? So in theory, that makes you think, oh, my odds are getting better every year, but I'm a math guy. And I know that's not actually the case because Mm -hmm. there's so many, people applying for these hunts, um, that even though my name is going up, the pool is getting so much larger every year that my odds are actually going down every single year. Um, Because, you know, even though I think it's 31 points now, there's also 500 other people with 31 points. So even Mm -hmm. though my 31 points got squared, so did all their other points get squared. And statistically, my, you know, the amount of times my name's in the hat is the percentage goes down every year, which sucks. The hat's getting
0: bigger every year.
1: Exactly. So I, you know, I still have max points. I actually didn't draw the tag. I got a raffle tag. So in Washington, they have one governor tag and then one raffle tag where you can buy as many names as you want. And it's five bucks every time you put your name in the hat and you get drawn. And I've been putting in for that every single year for 10 years now. Right. I budget, you know, a certain amount per month, just put into a savings account. And right before the raffle, I go throw it in there. Um,
0: I didn't know that. That's awesome.
1: I got lucky and drew the raffle. So I still can draw another tag. I still have max points and potentially, you know, down the road can draw another tag in there. You know, again, I know my odds aren't good at that, but, um, the raffle tags the way I got it. So, uh, pretty awesome.
0: The odds may not be good, but you got a chance, man. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's not like you all your points are gone. You're back to score one. You'll never catch it. That's exciting. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. So the, when was that raffle held in relation to the hunt?
1: So July 19 is when I found out I drew the raffle tag. The hunt opened September 1st. And then with the raffle, you have September 1 to December 31, any unit in the state, any weapon. Um, Now, I didn't even consider going anywhere other than Mount Baker, right? It was like, cool, I can go hunt all these units. Doesn't matter. I'm hunting Mount Baker. This this is my dream, right? This is why I got this tag is to hunt Mount Baker. Um, But I could hop. There's three different units in Mount Baker. So I could hop between the three different units. And I did hunt all three of them. Um, And I could, uh, and I had longer, you know, the normal tag is September 15 to November 30. uh, So I technically had longer than others did although I harvested November 19. So I, you know, it was the same time other people could still, in theory, be hunting.
0: When you found out you won the raffle, what was, was that, remote? Were you in person? Did you not even know and got a phone call? What was how did that yeah, go phone
1: call? So I I, there's a few of my buddies that put in for raffles. And there's like, we all know roughly the 15th of July, they're going to start calling out. And so we're all texting every morning. Hey, have you heard anyone? Have you heard of anyone getting drawn? And one of my buddies texted me said, Hey, I hear they're calling today. And so I was just waiting for the number I was waiting for a call because I normally don't answer calls where I don't have it saved my phone. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the, the number comes up. And I'm like, that's Olympia. That's, that's where WDF. I'm like, no way! And I pick up the phone. I'm like, "Hello." <laughs> she's like, "Hey, is this Shane?" I'm like, "Yeah." And she's, she, I'm from WDFW. I'm like, "No way!" <laughs> I was just absolutely flabbergasted and I immediately like on the phone with her I'm texting all my buddies texting my wife and my wife's like are you kidding me she was so excited for me she doesn't even care about hunting but this one like she really cared she was like that is awesome so
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool man and you've been doing the raffle you said for like 10 years
1: yeah 10 years so I you know I put in for the the main draw every year and then like I said I budget just monthly out of my paycheck I just put it into a savings account and some years it's more than others right just depends on what your budget's like that year but and I'm like my job's a commission job so my even my income can vary year to year right so it's just a portion of that goes away and my odds were slightly better in the raffle than the normal draw but not a lot <laughs> you know so I was pretty pumped up to get it
0: crazy so uh I said I listened to part of a podcast when you were chatting with Emery, and honestly I was like multitasking had it on while I was working but I did catch and I pulled a quote because you were this was 2018 you were chatting with Emery. Hmm? And you said, my biggest dream of all hunting is to get a mountain goat tag in Washington to get a tag is one in a, a roughly one in a thousand draw odds. It will probably never happen for me, but every year I'm hoping for it. And it was so cool to hear that, <laughs> know it was from 2018 <laughs> and then to know.
1: It happened in 2021. Yeah. Only three years later.
0: <laughs> Dude, That's awesome. So obviously it's funny. You have so much experience, you know, the area. As you said, you could hunt the state, but you already are narrowed down. Um, so it's just it's such a unique thing. What did preseason scouting look like for you? Were you already familiar enough with the herd or certain types of goats that you had certain expectations or a certain type of goat in mind, all that stuff?
1: So my dream ever since I was a kid was my dad missed the world archery world record. I, I don't know if it was or not. He claims it was right. He mm-hmm. missed the archery world record in this unit. I'm going to shoot the archery world record. That was my dream. I mm-hmm. know that that was not probably going to happen. But I, you know, five, six years ago, we had a goat in there. We photographed two winters in a row that I have no doubt would have been the archery world record by a good inch and a half. The problem was he disappeared about four years ago and we haven't seen him since. Right. So the unit does have the genetics for it, but it's not like every single year you're seeing one or two goats that could be in that caliber. Like that was once in 20 years of spending time up there, I guess two years in a row. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, but we, I'd been in the unit every month of the, of the winter. I knew where to find them different times of the year. I wasn't that worried about finding goats per se, but I didn't have a specific goat picked out. So kind of my thought is, Hey, I want to experience this. I'm going to start hunting day one um, and I'm, but it's going to take, you know, it needs to be a a Booner well above Booner goat with a bow before I'm going to shoot some in September. I want to get a winter coat, you know, and, and go around, you know, and, and get a winter goat was kind of my goal. Uh, But we had that drought last year. It was just insanely hot record temperatures. And I really think it, it moved those goat around in areas they're not normally at because I, I did find goats every time I went out, but I was not seeing the numbers I'm used to, you know, spots where I'm used to seeing 30 to 50 goats a time, I would see two to eight, you know? Um, wow. And I just think a lot of, I, and, and I, as the season progressed, I figured out, you know, even if I didn't necessarily get to a lot of these spots, they were hanging out almost in Creek bottoms in the timber, you know? And so there was a Billy I watched the first couple days of season. He wasn't a shooter at that point of the year, but might've been later. And, uh, he would, he would come out, you know, 1500 feet, 2000 feet below me, come out of the trees and feed for an hour and then go back into the trees and you want to see him for three days. Um, Hmm. and so it was just, it was, you know, my scouting early was, Hey, let's get my son out there and my daughter out there let's show them goats. Let's figure out where the big herds are hanging out. Um, but it wasn't necessarily where I anticipated them hanging out. And so it kind of, it, it was exploring all season long. And really I didn't see, I could have, I passed a few billies the first weekend of season with my, that I could have shot with a bow that just weren't, they were only three, four year old billies. Um, and then I never saw another billy until mid October. Um, you know, or another billy worth of noting, you know, worth note at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was it was hard. Um it was fun, but it was hard. You know, I spent I think I spent nineteen or twenty days hunting up there. Um, you know, and passed on over the course of that time I passed on five or six billies that were four years olds old or younger that just weren't weren't what I was interested in. Um yeah. and then October nineteen I and I did pass the billy I shot on October nineteen. Um and I he was six and a half and I was you know, I was like, I just don't think he's huge. I don't think he's that booner caliber. And I'd shoot him in November, but I'm not going to shoot him in October. You know, because when he gets another five, six inches of fur on him, that's a different story. Um, but for now he's not quite good enough. So that was, you know, the only big Billy and he didn't score that well, but it was the only big Billy I saw in the whole hunt um was that one that I did end up shooting at the in November.
0: As you said, with this tag, you have such a long time frame, even longer than the other tags. Yeah. But at what point does the do the conditions make it to where like is that even huntable, right? <laughs> I mean, and maybe it is. I don't know. But is there... no,
1: you're you're nail. It's always the risk with these units. So if you look at the success rate on the Mount Baker hunts, it's like forty percent over the last five years. Um, and it's not because it's that hard to shoot a goat. It's because so many hunters say, "Oh, I'm going to shoot one with a winter hide. I'm going to wait till late late October." And in the years that you get snow you may get snowed out of the unit altogether. Um, And so like we have a spot where um, every Thanksgiving, we'll try to go in there and photograph goat in the rut. And over 20 years, I would say 16 out of 20 years, you could do it. Well, last year you couldn't get there. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. and we had like, Uh, up in Whatcom County, we had these like, literally like, you know, national news floods, you know, people, houses under nine, 10 feet of water. I got flooded out of my unit for, uh, for 10 days straight where you literally couldn't even get to the mountains if you wanted to, because all the roads were covered in water. Um, When I finally did get up there, literally I'm talking six foot wide, old growth trees across roads, landslides everywhere. It was crazy. Um, And so by the time mid November rolled around, I was starting to get a little nervous because it was like, I'm used to, I know where to go in November. I know where to go in December, but I can't get to 75% of the spots I'm used to going to. And even the ones I need to go to, I need to cross a river to get there. And that river is raging. (laughs) You know, we were talking about, okay, are we taking a, are we going to take a pontoon boat up there just to cross this river that we normally walk across? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was, it was crazy, you know? And so that part made it difficult. Um, And if you saw our story, I mean, like the, the goat I shot. We had to hike up a riverbed, um, and we we waited ten days after the flood for the water to come down. And even still, it was I'm talking November 19 in snow in in chest waders, and I was above my belly button crossing that river 22 times uh, on the way up just to get to where that goat was, uh, and then pack it back down that river again. Which was I mean, it was awesome, but it it was it was an adventure that's for sure.
0: Dang. <laughs> so winter coat in that area is that. Did you say late October or is that more into mid-November? I I mean, from
1: September 1, they're going to have about an inch of fur to November 19. And I got my goat, it has about 14 inches of fur. So that's how much it's going to grow from September 1 to November 19. By mid-October, you're talking six, seven inches, right? So that month, that October 19 to November 19, I gave it 31 days, um, added five, six inches to the fur. I mean, it's a significantly different goat uh, in appearance. Is is the October goat still a trophy? Of course it is, right? Right. But uh, it it is just something that, you know, I, I was ready to wait and I I'm glad I did, but it, man, was it, (laughs) it was an adventure. Yeah.
0: Dang. So you said mid, mid October you passed on this Billy. Yeah. And then mid November you harvest them.
1: Yeah, this is a spot I'd never been all my years up there. Uh, My dad had told me stories, you know, way back in the 60s and 70s. He said, yeah, there's some guys that used to hike up there and they would shoot goats up there. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I was hunting like literally nine miles away. And I glassed a goat in that drainage from nine miles away. Because you can see the little white dots on the hillside. And Mm. I was like, well, I'm not finding goats anywhere else. I might as well go up there. (laughs) My buddy and I went up and at that in mid-October, it was easy going up the creek, right? The creek was low and literally we're hiking up, to the creek comes out of the glacier from Mount Baker. Like I, I went to where the glacier is there, and the creek is coming out from underneath the glacier. That's where we're hiking to, and uh, we hiked up there and saw this goat. And you know, we we studied it and studied it and videoed it, and we both said. I just don't think it's a shooter yet, <laughs> you know. It's a, it is a billy. It's a mature billy, but yeah. I, you know, I don't think it's big enough that. And we didn't know it was going to flood, right? You know, I, right. I probably would have shot it if I knew we were going to get those floods. But <laughs> 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 and so we passed on it and hiked back out. But I kept it kind of my back pocket. That if if my other spots don't pan out, this is one that I think I can get to. And uh, that the other spots didn't pan out, and I ended up having to go back in there. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> this is you this may be a hard question because you've obviously spent so much time looking at goats. And as you do that and you get familiar with an animal, you begin to have an eye for them without being analytical, right? That said, what are, what are some tips you have for like judging and maybe sexing goats? Um, That's its own topic, obviously. So you can touch on that if you want, but also just judging billies. Obviously again, like I know, You're just going to look and you've seen so many goats, you know, but the practical stuff
1: yeah. Goats are hard and knowing a big goat from a small goat, you start to second guess yourself, especially like I would, every time I'd see a picture on Instagram, I would, I would message a person, Hey, do you have measurements? You know, cause I would, and I would like literally I'd save it on my phone and type in the measurements so that I could go look through it. And I was right 80% of the time. And then there'd be like 20% of the time where I would, Oh, that's not that big of a goat. Like, Holy cow. It scored 53 or vice versa. Oh, that's a big one. Oh no, it scored 45. And it just, it, throws you off, you know? So there's first a difference between nanny and a billy, right? You got the narrow horns and they kind of go up and then hook at the end, that's a nanny. Uh, The base of the horn will be smaller than the width of their eye. Um, And then body shape, I find to be very, very important. Uh, You can see when you see a nanny and a Billy next to each other, they don't look the same at all. Um, Now, if it's all by itself, that's hard to tell, but when you Mm -hmm. see them together, there's a difference. even, Even a two and a half year old Billy, it looks significantly bulkier in the shoulders, kind of like a bear, right? you can see mm-hmm. the difference between those two once you see them together in particular. Um, and then the Billy has a gradual curve. So picture a qu- like uh, from, from the nine to the 12 on a clock, that tends to be how their horns curve, their bases will be significantly larger than the, um, than their, the width of their eye. Um, and then, you know, when you get close enough and you're using spot and scopes and optics, you can start counting rings to try and age it. You usually can't see the first two or three years, but if you're seeing two to four years of rings, it's probably a six to seven year old Billy that you're looking at. Um, mm-hmm. Because of the fur is covering the base few rings. Um, so there's things like that that you're starting to look at. But I would say never on the hunt did I have a, oh, I don't know if that's a Billy or a Nanny. Once I got, you know, I, from a long distance, oh, that looks sure. like a Billy. Oh, never mind post as a nanny. Um, But when you get there, you know, I'm used enough to it. It wasn't difficult, but judging how big something is, you know, we, I went and looked through that video of the goat. I ended up shooting seven, eight, 10 times, you know, and it was like, am I misjudging it? You know, I can see the ring. So I know it's an older goat, but I don't, I just, I didn't feel like it had the mass, which was exactly correct. It was a 10, 10 and an eighth inch billy. But the mass is only five and eighth. And in that area, there's usually quite a bit of mass. I expected, you know, closer to, you know, five and three quarter for a Billy that, that old and that size, you know, just that particular drainage yeah. did not have mass genetics, apparently. So hmm.
0: it is, I would imagine, I mean, like bears, sometimes you can just get deceived when you don't have the comparison. Netherlands sexing but just judging size, right? It's Absolutely. Like everything's different when you have a couple or a few animals together to compare off of each other. And then when you don't have that, sometimes your eyes just so deceiving, man.
1: It's like, uh, comparing it to bears is the most accurate. You know, I I've seen, you know, you, you've probably seen it bears. You can, you think, you know, and then you get close. So, oh, it looks like an okay bear. Oh, wow. It was huge. Like, the biggest bear I ever shot. It was a Booner bear. I didn't know it was big until I until I started packing it out, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Holy cow! This thing! <laughs> this thing why is my back so sore?" It turns out it was a 21 and a half inch bear that you know, and like which is just giant for the area I was hunting, and I had no clue, you know, because it was lanky and had long legs, and I just didn't anticipate the, it being a big bear. But once you kind of put it into perspective, you're like, "Oh wow, it's actually a really big bear. It's very similar in goats. You just yeah. by themselves, they can be difficult, you know." Yeah. So. You just look and look. The good thing with goats is they're not that spooky, right? They'll, they'll often just stare at you for like 30 minutes, like without moving, like just look at you and then turn their head and then look at you again. Um, you know, so you'll get your opportunity to look at it a vast majority of the time, especially if you're three, 400 yards away from it. Their, their mm-hmm. defense is getting in the cliffs. It's not running away fast. So mm-hmm. you get a lot of opportunity to study them usually.
0: Yeah. You know? it, um, you harvested it with a rifle, right? Yes. So what point was there a a certain point of the season where you went from to Rifle or what was that like?
1: So when I went and found this billy in October, I had both my bow and my rifle with me. And I got in this particular drainage. I was like, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> there's no, no way I'm getting one of the bow in here. Um, it was just straight, you know, both sides of the creek, you know, because it's where the glacier carved, right? Both sides mm-hmm. of the creek. I'm talking 50, 55 degree slopes. Uh, and if you you probably see my Instagram, there's a video where I say, you know, cameras never capture how steep something is. Now look at this video and you're like, oh my goodness, that was really steep. Yeah, it was really steep. Um, <laughs> it was scary steep and uh and so i was in there once and i was like i'm not taking my bow back here like I'll, i'm taking a rifle um so by the time the floods came is when i put my bow away um uh, before okay. the floods came i was taking both with me and was like hey if, if it's in a spot i can stock i will and then as soon as the floods came it was like if i get an opportunity to billy i need to take one right now so like i'm taking the rifle with me and uh, mm-hmm. it was again where this billy was not a chance in the world could i have got it with my bow i don't i don't think it would have been possible so mm.
0: when you Got on this building mid-October. Is that the only area, only drainage you hunted until you harvested? Did you kind of put all your chips in that basket or...
1: I went four or five other spots between, you know, between seeing him the first time and getting him the second time. Um, yeah. And that, there was one Billy I saw, which I think it was from a distance, but I, it was a big Billy. And I went and chased him three more times, just couldn't, couldn't locate him. I saw him one time, a spot you couldn't get to. And then I went two more times and couldn't get there. And then the road washed out and it was like, okay, that one's out, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I tried a few other areas. And then before I came back to this one,
0: at what point did those floods really hit?
1: going to say November 10 or so, November 9, November 8, somewhere in that range. Okay. Cause I shot my November 19 and it was more than a week after the flood hit before I could okay. get into the unit again. All right. Um, yeah. And, and even then when I drove up, I drove through, you know, two feet of water over roads to get up to the mountains. Like it was like, you're going through farm fields to get there. And there's like two feet of water over the roads and you're just like, you're driving through it, you know, up to almost the floorboard of your truck, you know, I'm
0: assuming um, not knowing if you're actually going to be able to, get up in the country at that point
1: I didn't know anyone else had been up there yet you know so we were we were just exploring and hoping for the best and we I mean we made it out two days in a row you know and I got him but um yeah
0: (laughs) crazy you you said crossing like 22 times to get up to him is that yeah had you spotted him from a distance before you made that approach or were you just going hey he was up here let's get up there and see if he still is see if we can find him
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so I went first. So I said, I spotted another Billy. We tried to locate him three more times. That's the first day I went there. Couldn't find him. Um, we only saw one goat that whole day. And it was like, usually we'll see 30 or 40 in there. And I'm like, okay, obviously the herds aren't hanging out in there right now. So let's, let's go to our other spot where we saw that Billy in October. And we went up there and in October, we didn't see a goat until we were four miles up that Creek drainage. And it's a big glacial Creek. It's, you know, it's no vegetation in the drainage it's 120 yards wide and that creek just like meanders through there and changes course all the time and it's the big old boulders that are you know like the size of a I mean, I don't even know. It's just huge. Like, you know, and Mm -hmm. rolling all over the place and uh, glacial silt in there. You can't see the bottom of the Creek, you know, so you're trying to judge by the ripples, how deep it is and that kind of stuff. And we went in and it was, you know, seven inches of snow on top of that stuff. We're wearing hip waders and it was like, let's just go. And the worst crossing was the first one. And it was a little bit sketchy. And then we're like, okay, we know it gets better from here. So we just started hiking and you just, you know, you're hiking out, you're trying to stay, one side of the creek and then the creek channel hits that that side of the hillside okay, and you yeah. cross again and cross again And i think it if i recall correctly it was 22 times that we crossed uh on the way up and it was more on the way down because it was dark you know so we couldn't even see you know we weren't able to follow tracks or anything because you cross so many times you just kind of lose where you followed and yeah um it was an adventure <laughs>
0: were you just going in for the day or were you carrying like yeah we were day hunting it
1: we did not have a camp with us, which might've been smart. Um, you know, we started hiking about an hour before light. So we were, we were crossing in the morning with headlamps and then, you know, it took about two hours, two and a half hours to get upstream and it was really foggy. And we finally get upstream. like, Hey, I was telling my buddy, this is where I saw it in October. He was just around that corner. And we look up the hill and there's a goat standing there just looking at us. Like literally it was just like right there. Oh, look, there it is. And, and so we we get our spotting scope on it. It was 300 and I think it was 374 at that point. And we get the spotting scope on it and uh, we're holding up my phone with the video footage of the goat and then looking at the goat and obviously it's got, you know, six inches more hair. And I'm like, it's the same goat. And I'm like, what do you think? He's like, yeah, it's the same goat. And then, and then we turn, and he's like, you think it's the same goat? Yeah, it's the same goat. You know, <laughs> Because he was all by himself. And we were like, we need to be sure it's the same goat. And after like 15 minutes, we're like, it's the same goat. Let's shoot it. And, but it was the only goat we could see. And I was like, well, maybe there's like a rut fest going on. And all the goats have come in because there are only six goats in here. Last time we were here, maybe there's like 30 here. Should we go around the corner? And he right. was like, my buddy's like, are you going to be happy with this goat? I'm like, I'm going to be happy. He's like, just shoot it. I'm like, okay. So we're getting the rifle <laughs> set up. And then the goat turns and walks away. And we're like, son of a, gun. Oh. So he, he turns and walks away, goes up the hill. So we, so we keep sorry to pull back, oh, no, interrupt,
0: getting the rifle set up. That was on a 370 ish yard yeah shot uphill.
1: Yeah. What Way type uphill.
0: of. So what, what were you doing practically? What did that, what would have that rifle set up that shot look like positionally? Like what support were you using, et cetera?
1: I had my pack down on a rock, try a uh, bipod up on the pack, and was just get. I mean, I barely started getting set up, but so you'll you'll hear more about the shot when we actually see the goat because it was an awesome shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one I was just starting to okay. Let's see if I can get comfortable because honestly, my effective range is about 400. I'm not a long distance shooter. My uh-huh. gun can shoot that far. My buddy is a long distance shooter that's with me, and he actually is the one that helped me sight in my guns. So he's like, I I can get it set up for you, and I'm like, Dude, I don't want to go over 400. Like mm-hmm. I you know I've shot out to 400 a few times. I know I can do that but um you know i like not much more than that so 374 was pushing it for me but we Mm -hmm. didn't think we'd get any closer well the goat walks off so we're like okay pack everything up keep going upstream and at this point the stream goes from like 120 yards wide to like six feet wide and it's like these 20 foot waterfalls that come down with pools at the bottom you have to kind of cross over a waterfall climb up around one and cross another one and and get up there and we're on the the same side of the creek that the goat is on. And we're just catching a glimpse of a goat go through a rock here, you know, way, way above us. And I'm like, I, I, see, I see a goat and let's get on it. And we knew there was more than one goat at this point because we had seen more than one now and it was like okay is that the right goat? i'm not sure and then we disappear again and go behind a rock and so i'm getting my gun all set up and he's like i'm gonna cross the creek the other side see if i can get a better view you know just get you know just that 15 20 yards further away and all of a sudden he's whistling he's like come over here come over here so i grab everything grab my pack and i cross the creek and i get over there and there's there's my there's what turns out my goat standing up on a rock just classic goat pose just looking right at us and then another goat right next to it uh looking at us as well and then four more goats up to the left, and this is the first time we could see all six at one time. And so he's like, "Just get set up. I'm going to get the scope on it." But he's not this this particular guy is not much of a goat guy like I was. So he was like, "I am not making the call for you." And I'm like, "I get it. I get it." Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting my gun set, and I just happened to be right next to a picture a rock like the size of the hood of your truck, right? Mm-hmm. And it was angled at fifty degrees, like. I laid my gun across it with the bipod hanging over the top of the rock and I get behind the scope laying on my side to see in it. Cause it was a, I think it was my range finder when we were across the creek, it was a 47 degree and anch- compensation shot. Um, and it was angle, con- so it was 262 is what it read, it compensated, but f- yeah. like 408, you know, not compensated with something along those lines. Yeah. And I'm laying on my side, and I'm like, I literally, if I don't touch my gun, my gun's on him. Like, I, I all I gotta do is squeeze the trigger. And so he's like, Okay, come confirm it's the Billy. So I get off the gun, go over the scope, and I'm like, That's the Billy. I'm positive it's the Billy. Keep your eye on that goat, and I'm gonna get back behind my gun. So I get back behind the gun, and I'm again laying in the snow on my side waterfall cascading like 4 feet away from us and i'm looking at this goat and he was and he was like can you make the shot because he knows me i've missed a lot of animals <laughs> and he's like can you make the shot and i'm like I, I i'm like i'm dead solid like i'm on him like my gun's not shaking one iota like i'm on him and uh, the goat's just standing there staring at us and he's like he's like it's not the best shot but if you have it he's like i don't think you're i don't know if you're going to get a better shot than this it's not moving and so I'm like, okay, I'm ready. So he's all zoomed in. He got his camera all zoomed in on it. You've probably seen the video on my Instagram. It shows the shot. And I squeeze off that trigger and you see the vapor trail go up and I just nailed that thing. And the thing spins 360, stands there again, and looks at me and I jack another shell and I squeeze off again. And then he turns aside side and kind of flips over on his back and feet up in the air and off the off this rock and disappears. And then we see the other five goats kind of go up the hill and stop and they're like waiting for their buddy because they were all the nannies. And we, we were celebrating. I couldn't believe it. Like, it was just awesome. You know, everything on video, we were so pumped. And we're like, now we have to go get this goat. I don't, yeah. I don't even know how we're going So
0: he disappeared out of sight, assuming down there, but you still don't know, right? You don't exactly. eyes on to confirm. Yeah. Like, he's there. I he's mean, down.
1: We've watched the video like five times. We're like, he's down. Like, he literally yeah. like that classic fainting backwards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, off this rock, feet up in the air. We're like, he's down. We got him. So we're going and we're like, okay, it's 10 AM. It's the fog is clearing, you know, it's going to get dark at five. Like we need to move. Like, honestly, we know we need to move because we're two and a half hours up this Creek and that goats 800 feet up there. That's how far it was 800 feet above us. Um, and we have to even, we don't even know if we can get 800 up. 800
0: feet above and your shot was <laughs> that's deep.
1: <laughs> it was insane. Gosh. So we, we grab and we're like, okay, here's our plan. We're going up there. I don't know if we're going to have to push the thing down. Like it, luckily there's an avalanche chute below it. So it's all snow. We th- it may hit a rock, but we may just have to push it down. I don't know if we can even carry this thing down there. Right. So let's get as light as we can. Let's drop our hit our chest waiters. We had hiking boots with us that we brought along. Let's drop our, um, you know, everything we can right and we were just throwing stuff out of our packs here's my rifle here's my extra ammo here's my spotting scope here's my tripod here's my mm-hmm. here's my chest waiters here's everything we can think of and gain as light as we can let's get up there hopefully we can pack them down but worst case scenario we'll push them down and we start hiking up this avalanche shoe and finally that herd of six nannies they cross above us trigger an avalanche this avalanche is coming down the shoot at us. Jeez. So we we dive behind this rock and we have a video of just the tail end of it. The avalanche, like my pack is kind of sticking out and it's like getting like whacked by avalanches. As it's coming by. And luckily, none of our stuff got buried down below. I was a little bit worried about that. Um, and uh, those goats cross above us. There, there's an avalanche, like a waist-deep avalanche coming by. And we're like, okay. I'm smarter than this. Like, let's l- let's be smart. So let's get out of the avalanche chute and be on kind of these finger ridges. And literally, I'm talking like one foot on either side of a ridge, and it's like almost touching your crotch as you're like working your yeah, way up,
0: this going up a going up spine.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we go up the spine. We get up there, and okay, there's the rock he was on. Um, let's go up there. And my buddy's filming me because he was like, I'm gonna film me walk up on it. And I walk around the the rock. And I see about a hundred yards away, the butt of a goat running down the hill. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And there's this huge pile of blood. He'd been laying right there and then wasn't dead. And I didn't have my rifle with me. I'd left it at the bottom of the hill. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just the most rookie move you can imagine. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. And so my buddy had his pistol with him, you know, for protection. He was like, you think you with a pistol? I'm like, I mean, no, but I mean, <laughs> no. maybe, like maybe if he's just rolling down the hill, like yeah, we can go finish it with a pistol. But so we followed him like a hundred yards. But you think he was like
0: running? He wasn't just yeah, rolling; like he, he was, was running down.
1: Right. So we're like, yeah. hopefully, he just got his last surge of energy, but mm-hmm. then he started side and we're like, oh crap! So we actually caught sight of him like seventy-five yards away, just staring at us. Uh, sitting on this game trail, kind of that he had walked multiple times. And if I had my rifle, I could have just gone boom and we would have been done. But of course, yeah. rookie me, didn't have, I mean, not a rookie me, I've been hunting for 20 years. I just made a stupid mistake. Right. Yeah. So my buddy says, okay, there's another avalanche shoot down there. We, where we first saw him, we know you can shoot up that shoot because you were going to earlier. How about mm-hmm. I stay here, you go back down, get your rifle, you go to the bottom and then text me on our on our inreach, And then I'll try to push him into that shoot. You can get a shot up the shoot at him. Good idea. Mm-hmm. So he stays there, I go down. Um, I grab all our gear, th- t- throw it on my pack, and then I hike down you know, the 600 yards to the next chute. And then I text my buddy, he's like, yeah, he already walked through the chute. Oh, oh my goodness. So he's like, you gotta come up here. So I was like, I'll just walk up this chute. This chute looks like it might be easier. It wasn't. Um so I start climbing up and the first like three, four hundred feet are pretty good. And then all of a sudden I get to like this. I don't know, 10, 15 foot cliff band it, with like six, seven inches of snow on top of it. And I'm like, okay, it looks like if I can get just past this cliff band, it's just, you know, keep going from there. So I kind of like, I, I have crampons on and I'm like toe picking into these cracks in the cliff and like wedging myself up. And I get up on top of it and I keep climbing and then I get to like the 70 foot cliff band. And I'm just like, At this point, I'm like 150 feet from my buddy and he's just waiting for me to get up there. And there, but there's a 70 foot cliff between me and him. And it was just because they had that seven inches of snow. It was so deceiving how steep it actually was until you Mm -hmm. were there. Like he should have texted me and said, hey, maybe go back the other way. But even from where he was, it didn't look that bad. But once I got on it, you're like, oh my goodness. So I'm taking my trekking pole. And if you've ever skied or anything, it's called a snow anchor. You bury your pole Mm -hmm. horizontal in seven inches of snow and it gives you enough friction that you can kind of pull on it. And I'm going as high as I can bury it and then toe picking my crampons and pulling myself up and then laying on this cliff band. Like I'm talking like Jeez. 75 degree slope and then doing that again. And it, it took me like an hour and a half to get the 900 feet up to my buddy. Um, he was above me. And he was like, hey, yeah, this this avalanche chute is too steep for us to cross. So we need to backtrack. So we backtracked out get up above the chute and there's like this these slide altars which it's like these trees that lay on their side on the hill and they're like six inch in diameter but they're like 80 feet long because they lay way down the hill and then grow out and they all had seven inches of snow on it but you can't like stand up and walk through them so we would kind of like get between two trunks and like roll over on our side to get through them, dumping snow on us as we're doing it. And we finally get over the chute and we're like, okay, he's like, okay. So our goal is let's try to drop down on the goat. So at least if we push him, he's going downhill. Which that was a good move, right? So we go down We found his bed with more blood in it. We're following his tracks and we saw him three or four more times. He'd be like 120, 130 yards ahead of us. He'd run a little bit and then stop. And then we would get to where he was. there would be a little bit more blood, but he had run again. And we did that. We played cat and mouse with him four or five times. He had dropped probably halfway back down to the creek at this point. Uh, which was the only blessing of all this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at this, I mean, at this point, it's almost two o'clock. We shot this at ten, this goat at ten, and we're still chasing this thing. And, and
0: you, sorry, real quick, you did get two shots in him. You got both
1: two shots, and I hit him yeah. both times on video. And again, it's on my Instagram, so you guys can go see it. I mean, I'm sure I'll get some judgment. I mean, it, and I, we figured it out I hit it first time. I hit it in the sternum, broke the sternum, didn't kill it. Second time, I just hit him a little bit to looker's right, his left and shot right West through shoulder. his hand bone. Basically, I broke that front shoulder. So he had a broken sternum and a broken front shoulder um, and bleeding everywhere. And he still lived. you know, I must have mm-hmm. just missed the lungs and the heart. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this goat's hurt. <laughs> um, and uh, so I finally we come through this brush and the goat's standing there off this little ledge 10 yards below me but through all kinds of devil's club brush. And I, I, th- I'm so excited. I just get down and I unload my clip at it. Five shots, but I'm ricocheting bullets off. brush. <laughs> I did hit it twice of those five shots, but there's so much brush that three of the five even missed. And then he just flips off a cliff and disappears. And we didn't realize that he was standing on top of another 300 foot cliff. And he just flipped right off the cliff so i'm ready to charge after my buddy like grabs my pack he's like dude stop that's a cliff (laughs) and and i'm like oh my (laughs) god so um we we slowly worked our way like this we we just kind of stayed on top of the cliff like it's this 400 foot cliff and finally after like 200 yards side healing we could see down and see him down there okay we got him the goat's dead we're good now we have to get down to him So then we just kept this cliff, which slowly, like as you side-hilled, would get closer and closer to the creek. And we finally got to a point, it's about a hundred foot cliff now, instead of 300. And there's this little seep going through with Devil's Club growing out of it. And I I don't know if everyone's familiar with Devil's Club. Basically, it's like, you know, two inch diameter thorns that have hooks in it. Um, And they're terrible. And we would have to, we would hold on to Devil's Club and lower yourself down. Until you could stand on the one below you and then kind of crouch down, hold on to the one you're standing on, lower yourself down again. <laughs> so we did that, you know, three or four times and we're like laying in the seep of water pouring down, just getting soaked. Um, and we finally get down there. It's 2 245. I hadn't eaten anything since we started hiking because I was, we were just moving the whole time. And I was. Since
0: before crashing. you
1: shot? Yeah. Since, I mean, since before, like before I started hiking, we hadn't even stopped oh, for snacks like all yet. morning.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> and
1: I was crashing. And I finally, I was like, right. Like at this point, the, the snow down there is like mid thigh deep. And I'm like, I can't even carry my rifle right now. Like, can you carry it for me? And so he carried it the rest of the way. And uh, I, you know, when we got the goat, I got, I got a snack and kind of got some energy back, but we finally walked up on that goat at like 2:45, And it was just, it was cathartic. And I even posted a video the other day where it was like, I'm so excited, but it's hard to even be excited because I'm so exhausted right now. Like that's the feeling we had and we haven't started butchering anything <laughs> yet. Wow. So um, first thing we did is check for balls. Yeah, it was a Billy. I mean, I was 99.9% sure, but you always got to be sure. And he had broken one tip in his fall. He had partially broken the other tip. Um, so, you know, the one that was partially broken, we measured, I had a little tape measure with me. It was 10 and 10 and 8th. Uh, and his bases were five and an eighth and, uh, you know, six and a half year old Billy, mature Billy, just not good mass genetics, but really cool. Billy, um, that winter coat, you know, and he, he just had a will to live. I mean, who has a broken sternum and a broken front shoulder and goes another three quarters of a mile and, and puts up a chase like that only mountain goats. (laughs) I was going to say,
0: like, as unique as this may sound to some listeners, like that's not, I don't want to say it's normal for a goat, but if there's any hunts that play out like that with any regularity it's gonna be a goat hunt
1: (laughs) it's a goat hunt yeah yeah and rookie rookie i call it rookie mistakes we're not rookies you know we we just made a dumb mistake we left our rifle down there if we'd taken our rifle up it would have been done you know right away up there and i'm never gonna make that mistake again but it it definitely put us on some extra chase and made it a little bit more exciting
0: um
1: we also as soon as we got the goat he both said dude if either of us ever gets another goat tag, we are not coming back. here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that hillside he was on, it was deadly. And honestly, like the last time I'd seen goats on the other side of the Creek, that one was even worse. Like, you know, if I would shot a goat in spots up there, I don't know how I would have got to some of those spots, you know, where I'd seen goats the time before, Um, you know, so it was all things considered he was in a good spot and it was like that, you know, so I'd, at this point I'd done something like forty eight hundred feet of elevation, climb and losing, and I'd gone like seven and a half miles and then we still had to butcher this thing. <laughs> so, oh. But the only blessing of all this was he died fifty feet from the creek. So we didn't have to pack him down from the through the cliffs. So yeah. we drug him the rest of the way to the creek, cleaned him up, and that's where we got pictures and everything. And the fog moved back in and uh, got pictures sitting there right on the creek and it was it was awesome. It was quite the yeah. adventure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that If you would have been down where you shot, like that's the most dangerous potential is then coming down out of that on all that steep slick stuff with a heavy pack. So yeah, definitely (laughs) as much as a rodeo as that was, it definitely eliminated some of the danger factor
1: it definitely did. Yes. And you know, it, it, God's looking out for us. Right. I, I, we, I yeah. said that I was like, dude, I think God's looking out for us. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I think he's looking out for us. We don't have to pack him down. He's like, well, that's true. You know, and it, <laughs> yeah. it turned out that that's exactly what happened, you know, and we stayed safe and my wife wasn't, my wife's like, you're never doing another winter goat hunt again. <laughs> I was like, well, let's give it 10 years. Um, you know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Crazy, man. So I didn't see that video you mentioned the other day, but as you're telling this story, I was gonna ask you about that because I was thinking through everything you're going through between the shot and the recovery, uh, it had to be hard to to fully process that moment. Not only, you know, the decades that led up to that, but then the few hours and how chaotic that was that led up to that, to then actually be able to sit there and soak it in was that had to be tough.
1: Yeah. It it was well, another interesting, like side note, we had texted out everyone when we first shot it, got the goat, goat down. Everyone was pumped. And my brother's like, I'm coming in. And I, we were just so excited. I didn't think like, Hey, you probably shouldn't come in by yourself. And you had to bike up a road four and a half miles and then hike up this Creek four and a half miles in the snow. And, and so somewhere in the chase, I got a mess. My wife got a message to you, Hey, your brother's coming. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then I was like, Oh, we haven't told him that we don't have the goat yet. We don't know where it is, you know, that let alone, he has to cross a Creek 22 times, you know, and I did tell him to take waiters, but um, mm-hmm. you know, so we're, I was telling my buddy Ryan, who's with me, I'm like, dude, what if Lance comes up here? Like, is he going to be able to find us? And you know, we'd done the math, like, Hey, he's not going to be here for at least four and a half hours. So we were still, we were like, okay, we're going to drag it down to the Creek. And, uh, I had a, like, I have this bright, like high lumen flashlight. I always take with me hunting in case you're tracking at night and it has an SOS mode. And so the fog rolled in and we're in this 120, 120 yard wide creek drainage. And if he was hiking up, he could just walk right past you without you ever knowing. So we actually set our pack up with the SOS shining across the creek through the fog. It's like this way he can't possibly miss us if he comes up. But even then in the back of my mind, the whole time it's like, dude, am I going to kill my brother by having him cross this creek by himself? Is he going to come up and get lost? You know, do we have to keep looking for him? And what if we have to rescue him? You know, all that's going through your mind at the same time that you're trying to be excited about this goat. But yeah, it was, it was a lot. And yet I just tried to soak every, you know, after we got the goat, right. At that point, it was like, just soak every second of this in because it probably won't happen again. And this is like the coolest thing ever, you know, and I had a smile on my face the whole time. It was, it was so exciting.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Down's Creek, breaking them down. Did it go pretty seamless, breaking them down and then just got a a nice, easy pack out through (laughs) through this Creek or were there any other uh, events that are noteworthy?
1: Well, it seemed it was seamless. Breaking down went quick. Apparently, my taxidermist told me I did a terrible job doing the hide, <laughs> and he was he like he had, my taxidermist flat said I won't do this. I won't I won't do your full body mount. And I had to find another taxidermist. So really? Apparently, we did a bad job on it, and I need to study up more. I I'm not a taxidermy guy. I've I have one mounted deer. That's it. And so like it was like, but yeah, I'm going to do my goat, and I should have just researched more how you're supposed to cape a full body. And mm-hmm. apparently, I mess it up big time. And my and the other taxidermist was like, oh no, no problem. I can fix this you know so at least i'm gonna get it done but yeah that Mm -hmm. that part didn't go well but we thought it went seamless like we were fine and threw the meat on our pack threw the cape on it was a heavy pack um but you know i didn't even feel it honestly you know and and we started hiking out but the whole time we're looking for footprints of my brothers right Mm -hmm. also our footprints which we couldn't really find and and it's dark and we're crossing this creek uh there was one point where my buddy we're crossing next to this fallen log that's across the Creek and his feet wash out from under him and he grabs the log and he's putting his arms over the log. And I'm like, you know, every time we cross, it was okay. You cross first and stop and watch me, you know, packs unbuckled so that we can drop the packs if we have to, but I really don't want to drop my pack with my rifle and my coat on it. You know, and um, you know, it was, it was an adventure and, uh, but the fog cleared out and there was, there was a full moon. And then it started snowing on us and it, it was just, it was so cool. We, we were just loving every minute of it, you know, even though it was scary. Um, yeah. The very end, like the last, 150 feet before the road is like this old clear cut that was trees grown so close together. You're like pushing them aside. And at one point I'm hiking between two trees and my pack gets caught and I just was stuck and I was so tired. And I was like, Ryan, I need help. <laughs> he comes back and he's like pulling me through these trees and you know, and you're in the dark, it's so much harder than not in the dark, you know, and you're just exhausted. And then you have to bike out in the snow, you know, and I crashed my bike a couple times, but you know, all in all it, it went fine. Um,
0: But <laughs> yeah. I, you know,
1: I just look back on it fond memories even though it was really really hard and tiring and um, we did find finally my brother's footprints at the road he didn't cross the creek so he had come up Uh the road he had built a fire. He had waited for us for like three hours and he was like, I hope they're okay. And he said he finally he told me he finally turned around because he's like, I have wondered if you guys are going to spend the night up there because you were taking so long. And he said, I wondered if something went wrong and you guys decided to spend the night. So I didn't want to stay here waiting. Um, hmm. and you know, we missed him apparently by like three hours, so I think he made the right decision to leave. But um, yeah. we did find his footprints. I was like, okay, he's good. I mean, You know, now I don't have to worry about that part of it anymore. But
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. It's uh it's so cool you know i i like personally wrestle with photos and videos and stuff of hunts because i don't have any interest in like sharing that necessarily publicly for whatever but having them for your own sake like to relive those memories and then like yes having them to share publicly for like people who want to like because it's such a unique experience yeah um it's so cool that you have your own photos and videos to even what you've posted on Instagram to like, you know, it's been cool for me, like going for this goat hunt and like seeing what you've gotten into and relive that. It, it's like the good side of hunting media, if you will. Right.
1: And, and that's really like my, my Instagram handles lone goat media and it's not a company, right. It's just that I, I like m- mountain goats. It's really how I came up with it. And I was just like, cool, I'm going to make this. And my goal in it is really I th- I always have hesitation of what do I post? What do I not post? What do you make public? What don't you? And really my goal in hunting is I want to share my love of the mountains and my love of hunting with people. And I have a very broad mix of followers. Like my, I'm, my family and I were into CrossFit a lot. So like all my CrossFit friends are on there and tons of them are, you know, would be, would probably be anti hunters or at very minimum have no knowledge whatsoever of hunting. And so how I, phrase my stories and how I post things. It's really in the goal of I'm assuming you don't know anything about hunting when you read this. And I want to share why this, I'm so passionate about this and why I love this. And this is, I I think, and I'm sure you you probably agree with me, right? I think hunting is the most ethical way to get my meat. Mm-hmm. I think that what I do, I'm getting 100% organic, you know, free range, like where I'm hunting. This is, these haven't even been in a field, you know what I mean? Or they haven't had alfalfa. This is like as organic as organic can get. And I share meat with all my CrossFit friends. Like I'll bring a cooler of meat and that thing's gone in 10 minutes, right? And um, the amount of people that have, told me, I mean, in the hundreds that, you know, I was always anti-hunting or I didn't know anything about hunting. And I just love watching your your stories. You know, it's really cool. And that that's, that's really what my target is there. And um there's always going to be the person you turn off, right? You know, I've had a couple people online that have said stuff. I've had a couple people in person when I'm hiking on a busy trail with a rifle that say something. But a vast majority are just curious, right? And want to know mm. why you do what you do. And I think it's really important to, when you're putting it public like that that you're expressing it well and, and explaining it. Um, and, and yeah, so it's yeah. something I I am passionate about that. It, that's what I'm targeting with my media uh, is I want to share this with people. I want them to see why this is so important to me so that we don't run into a situation like British Columbia where they're just shutting down grizzly hunting because we don't like it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like the perception, um, Yeah, I can tell you, no one that follows me, I would, I believe, right, would ever vote to shut down hunting because now they've seen it and know what it's about. This isn't about, you know, get the biggest trophy and share it. And uh, part of that was the hunt, get the biggest trophy, and I did my best to explain why I'm trying to do that, right? Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people ask me, how's the meat? The meat was terrible. It was just tough as leather. It tasted <laughs> every, when you cook up those steaks, it smells like you're in a petting zoo. Um, you know, but we but we ate it all. Um, you know, and I yeah. shared it with my a bunch of my CrossFit friends. They're like that meat was terrible, but it's really good. It's really high in protein. Um, the burger's fine and we made summer sausage. The summer sausage tastes amazing but it makes your breath smell like a petting zoo. Um, Seriously? It's really unique. I've like I've had bear, I've had sheep, I've had deer, I've had I've had moose none of it was like like the goat had a unique one so really, um, <laughs> I drew I actually uh you may not know this I drew another goat tag this year in Alaska no so I'm, I didn't I've going up to Alaska in yeah. just over a month a month and three days and uh <sighs> and my wife is like oh man we have to have more goat meat and I'm like oh don't worry I'll make summer sausage we'll, we'll be fine I'll, I'll make it work but yeah
0: <laughs> yeah dude I didn't even know that so what uh where is that hunt, and how did you do you have family up there so or did you have to do a guide
1: this is a draw hunt i wasn't it was not a good draw. it was just i had a buddy who was following my hunt on instagram that was helping me like hey i saw this goat what do you think and he's a guide up there he's like you know you should apply for where i guide because you're gonna see like 10 goats like that in in one hunt and i was like oh cool And, and i was like what are the odds and he told me and i was like oh i'll never draw and he was like yeah and i was like i can I can make it work if I draw, right? If yeah. if I beat the odds. And right. I put in first time ever putting in and I drew. Oh man. <laughs> and I could I was absolutely floored. Like almost as long of odds as my tag in Washington. Um and uh, so yeah, we're going up and it's a guided hunt. Uh and I'm going with the bow. Uh it's a 10-day hunt and I'm doing 8 days of the bow, but I'll take the rifle, right? Cuz I I'm not coming home empty-handed, but I'm going 10 days with the or 8 days of the bow before I consider pulling out that rifle. It's not about where the goat is. It's 8 days you get to try with the bow and then the rifle comes out out um if need be so uh yeah i'm pretty pumped <laughs> dude
0: that's cool what about goat hunting whether that's last year's goat or this opportunity to go to alaska is a broad question but is noticeably different to you in terms of like preparation gear etc compared to all the other hunting you do right because like you even said like you'll you'll hunt in that country for bear but that's a different type of year different type of thing or maybe something unique that you're finding from this Alaska experience? Like what stands out as a difference for you?
1: So I, I think my hunting gear in general is what you would call goat hunting gear because that's the country I tend to hunt in. You know, yeah. I've shot deer that fall off cliffs, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, my gear is definitely targeted that way. Like my, I have the, the black diamond whip It's an, it's an ice ax head on my trekking pole. I use that thing all the time. And including mm-hmm. that snow anchor I was talking about, that was with my whip it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have crampons with me always, um, you know, people, and I'm not talking microspikes, microspikes are a piece of crap. They don't do you anything because they're I don't, If you're familiar with microspikes. They have like a rubber gasket that goes around your boots with these like chains underneath it. But the, as soon as you get in a side hill, the chains rip out of that rubber gasket, I've gone through like probably eight pairs of those. Mm-hmm. Finally, we're like, okay, hey, toss those out. We have, um, I think it's black diamond as well. They're called an inline six and they're, they're, true crampons, but they don't have the toe or the heel. It's right in the ball of your, it's kind of in the arch of your foot. Oh, I
0: have seen those. Yeah. And
1: it's like just in your instep. Yeah. That's instep crampons. Yeah. So that's something I have with me all the time from, I'm talking August one when I'm going up there because I'm crossing a Heather slope that has dew on it. That's 45 to 50 degrees. And you take one step on that and you're going to go down 300 feet. Um, and I got my whip it with the ice axe head ready, you know, ready to, to self-arrest. And I have crampons on even on an August or September deer or bear hunt. Um, you know, so things like that, I think, you know, it's something that I, you know, in the podcast or the things I listen to, no one ever talks about taking crampons hunting. I don't think you need it in mm-hmm. Idaho and Colorado and Montana where it's drier and you don't have that wet weather like we get, but Nine out of 10 days in the high country, you have dew on the ground the first two hours of the day and you step on that Heather and you're going, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and my dad and other hunters I know have told me, Oh, I saw deer over in in that meadow there, but I couldn't go after it because you couldn't cross the meadow. Well, I (laughs) can't, you know, I know I Mm can't, you know, I'm not saying every meadow, right. But there there's not, if it's got vegetation on it, I can almost certainly get across it with that combination of the whippet and the, and the crampons. So those are, I would say the biggest unique thing for my we should have had rope and harness on my goat hunt. I didn't mm-hmm. have it with me and I should have. So this year I bought an ultra lightweight harness. It weighs literally like six ounces. Um, and then I have a, I think it's a 20 or 30 meter rope. That's again, super lightweight, but it's still good enough to support you so that I can, you know, I can repel down if I need to into the right places. And mm-hmm. i you know some years of experience in mountain rescue so i have that uh, the skills where i know what i'm doing i wouldn't recommend that for someone who doesn't know what they're doing but right. um you know certainly i i will have that in alaska and my rope and my and my harness and some rappel gear in case i need to get into a spot where it's not safe to go otherwise but mm. um, those goats will definitely put you in places you're not necessarily comfortable with <laughs> yeah
0: know. it's part of the appeal what's um yeah. what were you shooting last year for rifle setup you know, everything from the rifle to the cartridge to the bullet. And are you making any changes for this year? I know that both primary this year, but the rifle that you are bringing.
1: Yeah. I have a Tika a 300 wind mag uh, shooting Barnes TSX, uh, the copper ammunition. So it's not lead. Um, part of it is like my family, we're really health conscious. That's part of the reason we hunt is to get the organic meat, but that lead and meat, like there's a lot of research that shows it actually is really bad for you. Um, mm. So we're doing the best we can. You know, I don't shoot lead bullets ever. Um, I'm shooting the copper bullets and uh, that thing shoots pins out of my Tika. It's pretty amazing. Um, I am getting a uh, benchmark barrels rifle made, but I'm left-handed. So it's it's like an 18 month wait to get it. So it's still my Tika this year. Hopefully mm-hmm. next, then I'll have the benchmark uh, rifle that can shoot longer distance. And I'm going to do some some practice. My, my goal is I'm never going to be the guy shooting 800 or 1,000 yards. Uh, I want to be able to shoot my, kind of my next big goal I'm hoping to do is a sheep hunt. I want to do doll sheep. Um, and I'm saving I'm putting money away for that. And so I don't want to ever be on a sheep hunt where it's like, Hey, that, that Ram's 480 yards away. We can't get any closer and I have to pass cause I can't shoot 480. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So kind of, if I can get my effective range of 500, 550, that makes me happy. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's the goal of that rifle. So it's an ultra lightweight mountain rifle that I'll be getting, but for now it's this year and last year it was the Tika and I'm not going to get rid of that rifle. That rifle shoots great. You know, yeah. it's just i don't have it set up to shoot that distance
0: so yeah those are tough to beat man yeah well cool i don't want to keep you all day and thanks for carving the time and telling the oh, story yeah. i for sure if you don't mind we'll we'll bug you after alaska <laughs> to hear more <laughs> oh, stories you're babe. always
1: welcome to bug me i'm happy i'm i talking mountain hunting man i never get sick of it not just goats right i just love mountain hunting so yeah. i'm always happy to, to talk more so cool
0: well you mentioned it's uh mountain goat media on Instagram is there any other resources it's Links. at
1: lone goat media yeah, lone goat media uh okay. and then lone goat media.com is my website and again I'm not this there's nothing financial here it's just simply I like sharing my fit pictures and sharing my stuff so um I'll post all my photos on my website you can go look look back through 10 years of hunting on my website um, and then my Instagram is, I'm, I'm really hit and miss on an Instagram. I'll post like five times in a week and then won't we'll post for six weeks cause I forget. Um, but you know, I, I'm on there every once in a while and, uh, and the website, I'll post things. So, it, you know, if, if you want to see me, that's that's the best place to find me.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Again, we will have a second episode with Shane coming next week about his very recent mountain goat hunt in Alaska. Um, As always, if you want to receive that episode or any other future episodes automatically, be sure to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app and you will get those episodes. And if you have anything for us, feel free to send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Or if you have a question you want to ask us, you can look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. You can use whatever device you're on to leave an audio message and we will answer that on a future Monday Minute episode. I hope your fall is going well. Uh, Like myself, you may be out hunting. Um, Share that success with us. Reach out. Let us know how it goes or how we can help. We'll talk to you soon.